Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Fork Tales is brought to you by Pavone Group and Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fork Tales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. everyone. Uh, today I am joined by someone who knows a lot about the, how to run an efficient kitchen. His name is Chef James Pasafaro. James, how you doing? Uh, say hello and uh, give us a little bit of your backstory. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my background, uh, I started in the cooking culinary world when I was really young, something I really wanted to do from a young age. Uh, bounced around a bunch, um, ended up in Minnesota, I uh, worked for some really great chefs like Gavin Kaysen and Michael Mina, and um, here I am now working in technology, which I never thought I'd probably have to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We're going to talk about OPSI here in a little bit, but uh, where did the whole love of cooking come from? Like, where did it start? I mean, how did you how did you happen upon it? Yeah, um, you know, it, a lot of the times, I think generally this story kind of goes for people. It's like, you know, they're cooking in a kitchen with their grandmother or mother, or some, some family member, or it's a family owned operator. Um, my parents, uh, my mom was in sales for telecoms. So she worked for AT&T. My father was in flooring. So he worked, worked in union in New York. And then he owned a business in New Jersey where we grew up. Um, and he just had friends that were in hospitality. So they would always throw a, a game dinner every year, um, at a restaurant called Perona farms. And, uh, it was run by three brothers and they're, they've been in business for over a hundred years now and they're like in their sixth generation of family running it. But at the time, um, Kirk was the chef and he was kind of running this program where he could uh, bring in local hunters and fishers and cook a dinner each year and kind of run it for friends and family. And it kind of started blossoming from the late eighties to early nineties where he actually, um, he launched a really successful smoked salmon business and he started selling to the likes of like Danielle Ballou, Jean-Louis Palidan, um, Wolfgang Puck, kind of all over the country. Wow. Um, and then he started bringing these really large name chefs to this game dinner every year. Uh, so when I was like 10 or 11, it was every Tuesday of every year for first Tuesday every year, they would close the restaurant, um, prep for the weekend leading up to that Tuesday. And then these chefs would come out from all over the country. And at the time I had, you know, had no idea. It was like Ming Tsai and Robert Irvine and Danielle Balud and all these people. Um, but what really drew me to it was just, it was seemed like friends having fun together and it was the energy of the space and the camaraderie and the food was obviously a plus on top of it, but it wasn't ever that, uh, that magic moment of like something hitting the pan or me tasting something. It was more about being in that environment, being around the people. Um, and I think really just like the culture and the energy that was built around it at the time was what really drew me in. It's fantastic. And, uh, the game dinner sounds awesome. You have to, at the end here, if you have a, a recipe for elk, I need, I mean, I, I always have a, a freezer full of elk. I'm a diehard hunter and, uh, you know, there's nothing better than, uh, having a great meal with friends around something, you know, that you've actually, uh, worked really hard for. So, uh, uh that's because it's, it's not easy to cook game. I mean, it's not, I mean, no, people it's not. ruin it a lot. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um, so it, you worked in Minneapolis, San Francisco, Boston. Um, did you ever have a desire to do your own restaurant? Um, I did. I mean, I, it's obviously still there, right? Uh, you know, you travel different paths and it's something I definitely want to do at some point. I hope to pick it up in the future. Um, 
but it's a, uh, as you know, and your people you talk to, it's a wildly challenging <laughs> business uh, from any angle of it. But as an operator, it's you know ever more challenging because you're looking at fifty plus people that are banking on you. Yeah. No question. Plus, well, and being an entrepreneur though, but you're now, so you jumped into the tech. So that's so much easier than running a restaurant, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bit different, uh, yeah. different skill set, different, different patience level. <laughs> so how, talk a little bit about Opsy. I mean, you've said in the past, that the idea of Opsy started with a simple concept, right? You know, how to get rid of the paper clutter. You want to talk a little bit about that and you know, the brainchild yeah. behind it. I, I love entrepreneurial. I mean, I, I consider myself one and I, I love the stories behind them because they're usually very simple. They're usually very true. They're very authentic. And uh, that's what makes them kind of wonderful. Yeah. With Opsy, um, you know, I was about 26 in San Francisco. I was working for Michael at the time. Um, I just took over as uh, chef de cuisine for a restaurant called R74. It was in the Fidei. Um And it was this really beautiful French burgundy restaurant um, built on a great wine program. And I was drowning. Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, took my first step into the really deep end. They trusted me with a lot of, a lot of things inside the restaurant. And what I really wanted was just something that I didn't have to chase around paper. Um, I didn't have to print all this stuff off, over communicate, fill the binders up. And I kind of went on this search for something that I thought should have been out there at the time. Uh, we all had iPhones and we all still have iPhones and Android devices. And there was these like little computers in our hands every day that I just assumed there had to have been something, right? And when I went out and looked, it didn't really satisfy the need. So I uh, kind of went down this path with my friend and we started building. That's awesome. Hey, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's 100%. <laughs> so oil-stained uh, prep lists and recipes. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was... Um, you know, we were we were going through this large change at the restaurant. I I came in as an executive sous chef, and then when uh, the chef Mike Rafiti left, I took over as the CDC for him. Um, it was you know it was very disjointed in communication. Uh, it was kind of hurting the team because it was more of a uh, survive less thrive situation on a day to day basis, um, and we really were very leaning forward into systems and system orientation for communication and kind of removing a lot of this gray area, which a lot of restaurants are gray generally, uh, removing a lot of the gray and this human element of just like collecting the physicals and having to put them on stations and keep them in places because, you know, they get oil spilled on them and you have to rewrite them or print them out again. Um, but always having a backup somewhere and technology for me was that solution to kind of develop a space where we could keep all the information in there, keep the team all on the same page, marching in and singing off the same sheet of music and moving in the same direction so that every single day when they came in, they knew the goal. They knew what their goals were and what they were driving towards. And then once you kind of, for us, when you got rid of a lot of that minutia of like, where is it? Who wrote this? Who did that? Who did this? Where is the recipe? Um, it made it easier for us to focus on the larger goal, which was servicing the guest and like putting out really high quality product opposed to just making it through the day because the system was broken. Yeah. I mean, in any kind of a creative business, which obviously being a chef is super creative in the kitchen. I mean, there's that organized chaos, there's that artistry, but I think I do agree. I think that people need and love process. I just spent, uh, unfortunately, way too much time talking about that as far as our business, you know, <laughs> keeping the time and keeping things organized so that, they they are they're able to thrive, right? A little organization certainly isn't a, isn't a bad thing. Um, let's, let's talk about your partner and and how your partner got into it and the business and how it got started and all that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Matt is uh, wildly talented. Definitely um, completely different skill set than I have. He spent a lot of his early career in videography design. He's done all the architecture from the back end, working with our CTO, Justin, writing all the code. Um, and he's done all the UI UX experience for Opsi, which I think is really powerful because the the whole idea is that when I was conceptualizing the idea, we were running into these walls of just really large enterprise systems that just weren't resonating with what I needed every single day. And we needed to make sure that the tool we designed and built had to be very streamlined, trim, light feeling, not so dense and cumbersome. So Matt is amazingly talented, uh, really, really smart. He's taken an incredible approach from just a design perspective and user interface perspective that I think he's he's setting us up for a ton of success because it's it should be something that you could easily pick up, understand, get into, get out of, and get back to work. Fantastic. And Opsi recently partnered with uh, Gavin Kaysen. Is that correct? Notable chef, uh, James Boyer yeah. uh, award winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gavin has um, you know, been a, a longtime mentor, friend, uh, boss, <laughs> lots of different <laughs> capacities, advisor, investor. Um, but uh, when I first met Gavin, I came out to Minneapolis to stage at Belcor and Spoon um, and it's kind of in between what I was going to do next. And we were winding down in San Francisco and he offered me a job and I, you know, kind of just expressed the idea that, you know, if we continue down this path, talking about opportunities that I wanted to make sure you understood there was things that I was working on and that I, I would need this duality of support as I make this next step forward. And even though I didn't take the job at the time, because um, it wasn't the, the chef role that was open, uh, he immediately gravitated towards us and he became our first advisor very early on, probably going back six years now. Um, and then when the opportunity came up to move to Spoon and Stable, we started piloting the actual project inside the restaurant. So it was um, blessing and a curse, right? You're kind of drinking from a fire hose at that point when it comes to feedback, <laughs> when you're giving it to your team. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, I mean, uh, you know, uh, obviously organization in any business is super important. And this is an opportunity for you, I guess, to sell your dream or your vision here. What, what types of restaurants need your tool the most? Like, who do you see as your primary customer? Who's who's the most suited to 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 uh, be involved in the Opsi platform? Yeah, we get this question a lot. Um, generally, my belief system is that anyone, whether it's a food truck to a three-star Michelin restaurant, could utilize Opsi. Uh, multi-units, single concept, multi-unit, multi-concept. The at the end of the day, there's a there's a very large Venn diagram of functionality that all is true within restaurants, right? You are producing food, you're managing people, you're pre-prep lists. Like all these things are just common truths throughout the whole industry. So we started in a place of like a spoon and stable, upscale, casual. This is just based on my background and Gavin's background, and we. Um, built it for the four walls of that restaurant. And it works extremely well. And as we continue developing, we're focused more on both going downstream to more fine dining restaurants, but also on the opposite side of that stream, going into more casual QSR virtual brands to make sure that, you know, the tool still fits. We don't we don't develop in any specific way that's like, okay, this really only works for Thomas Keller or Danielle mm -hmm. or Gavin. It, this doesn't just work for, you know, the McDonald's or the larger chains or the, the quick growing franchises. It's um we take a really honest approach, and when we when we work with a company, whether it's your business or a multiple two to businesses, they they're our partners now. We uh, we have lots of conversation with how we can be become better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know in this industry, I mean, I, I started my illustrious career in a restaurant like most, well, I shouldn't say most <laughs> everybody did, but I was a dishwasher. And, uh, but I was very fortunate actually, because I worked with a, a gentleman who was 
was pretty uh, well known. It was, it was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and he was a chef, okay. and he had his own place, and it was sort of his last sort of uh, chapter. He wanted to just do his thing his way. And talk about the oil-stained recipes. I mean, this guy was crazy. Um, <laughs> Gourmet Magazine was begging him for his uh, coconut cream amaretto recipe. It literally died with him. He would not let anyone in the building when he made it. And I mean, there's a lot of that old school sort of philosophy and like uh, artistry. I mean, how, how, how does this help with that? I mean, are you finding resistance from those old school guys or is everyone really realizing, hey, look, we've got we've to have this product to, to help streamline things? You know, when we first started, it was a matter of like trying to declutter and reorganize and kind of update because there's been very little focus on the back of the restaurant when it comes to technology, tons on the front. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as time goes on, I think especially with COVID, COVID has kind of changed the way people think about both staffing and all the hardship that everyone is going through from finding staff now, that people want tools that help them do more with a little bit of less systems ultimately scaffold that structure and allow people to do those things because there's, you know, a rubric to work within. Um, and now we are starting to see it's less of, we're not here to convince people of what they should be doing. I'm not going to be a, a person trying to convince someone how to change the way they run their business. It's up to them to make that decision. But when we find the people that are coming to us for this problem, it's, it's something that is, it clicks. Like they see it immediately. They understand they need to solve the problem. And you see it on both ends, right? Like, Older chefs will have to eventually come to this idea because they're hiring younger and younger mm -hmm. cooks and servers and people every single day that the tool has to meet them at their staffing where they are today. And you know, when I, I'm not very old, but I'm not young anymore, <laughs> um, the when I started, it was like, take the moleskin out and listen to me talk and write it down. And if you don't write it down, you don't know what's going on. And now it's like, if I had to give a binder of paper to an 18-year-old kid coming off the street to be a prep cook, like, he's going to look at me cross-eyed. So we're, we're hoping to help meet these people, this workforce, this new generation of cooks and chefs at where they are. And they're far more technically inclined than any generation before. They, they grew up with it in their hands their whole lives. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's a, as I was saying earlier, necessity is a mother invention. It makes total sense. It's a simple concept, but it's a great concept and something that's it's absolutely needed. I mean, where do you see yourselves going in the next, say, two, three years? I mean, what, what's your vision for the business? We want to, you know, obviously bridge a lot of these gaps. We want to, again, meet the people where they are. Um, we want to help bring a little more insight to the day-to-day -day operators and start to segment out a piece of business that is not so financially high-minded. Um, the financial high-minded tools are great for the co controllers, CFOs, accountants of the world, but it doesn't really help the operators that are running the restaurant on a day-to-day -day basis, scheduling, cooking, things like that. So we're hoping to be a distillation of information at some point and sit in between those tools. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're people that believe we need to stay focused on what we're great at. Um, and we've built a really great tool that I believe works well, and we're going to continue embellishing on it and progressing and changing and ideating on the tool and making it better. And a lot of my focus now going forward is finding strong partners that are also like-minded, that are best-in-class technologies that we can work with. And we actually, you know, in the next couple of weeks and months, we're going to have a few announcements coming out about some of our partners that we're working with. And people that I, I put high value on and what they're doing and believe they are best in class.
That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's remarkable and it's it's great. I mean, and I think you have the the absolute right perspective on growing a business. You got to stay focused and and take it to the people that need it. And and uh, I, I I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what the future holds. Um, so I have to ask. These are we do every year. We do food and beverage trends uh, and restaurant trends and technology. Obviously, is just mm-hmm. always there. Always there. In fact, it's hard to find things that aren't tied to technology for a trend. Um, you read a lot and heard a lot about robots and kitchens and all that. I mean, what do you, what's your honest opinion about robot servers and that kind of a thing? Um, you know, they have their place. I've been, I've been to the sushi train places where the the robot brings you your Mm -hmm. drink and Mm -hmm. like drives cocktails around, uh, for sure there, it'll always exist. Um, the, the robot cooks like the sweet greens of the world. I, I think there's definitely a place for it. There's, you know very fast, casual, grab-and-go type situations that definitely serve that purpose. Uh, it will fill a gap for sure. Um, for like everything in the middle market, I even think like all the way down to fast casual, uh, you know, I think technology is going to continue growing in a way that helps bolster the human element. Because for me, again, going all the way back to being 11, 10, 12, uh, the reason I came into restaurants is people. When you go to a restaurant, you sit down and you pay money, you you get a server that is talking to you, you get a cook that is cooking the food. Um, you ideally have a consistent experience, but it's always never going to be the same. It's always going to hopefully build and build and build for you. And if you start removing that human, uh, humanity out of the experience, um, and I think all the way down to you know fast food service elements, there's, there's still pieces of it that the humans are going to be. So I believe like technology itself Everyone's going to want to talk about AI, replacement of people, mm-hmm. robots. I mean, it's just not realistic. It makes sense. <laughs> so I think we'll always go down that path in certain segments. But I think where where technology really needs to go and should go is how do you better the human experience while they're working? And how does that bolster of the human experience while they're employees of that space bolster the human experience as a guest? And how do you engage with them differently and continue driving that experience and bringing them back whether you're picking up a burger, you're sitting down and spending thousands or hundreds of dollars on a meal. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love that answer. And, and, uh, I mean, the robots are kind of kitchen, kind of cool, whatever it's neat, sort of uh, trendy maybe, <laughs> but I love the idea. Your technology is one that, that allows humans to do a more efficient job. Hopefully it'll drive more happiness, culture, uh, better experience for the guest. And I, I think at the end of the day, you're right. That's what we all go out for, right? We want that human experience. We want to, we want to be with friends or, uh, you know, business associates and, uh, uh, just have a great time. And it's, it's the overall interaction. It's the, uh, the servers, it's everybody that's involved that, that makes it fantastic and makes it a, it makes it an experience. Right. So I think, uh, I agree with you. I love the human side of things versus, uh, uh, maybe more the robotic side. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we go all the way to robots. You're going to, it's not going to be hospitality anymore. Yeah, it's going to be that's right. something that's right. completely different. That's right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Opsi? I mean, anything else about your business, the future, what you see for technology, uh, any ancillary products, anything like that that you want to talk about? No, we're, you know, we're hoping to push out a bunch of updates here. It's, um, you know, it's, the the technology piece is a process that uh that's new to me because it's it's not so physical it's not tangible it's more of a conversation and there's it, there's other people that are smarter and better than me at doing the work and <laughs> I kind of I kind of wait for the results to test and play with um not at the moment we're we're really just excited about some of the partnerships mm-hmm. we're going to announce and also um you know we we love being substantially footed inside the hospitality you know 
with myself, my background, Gavin, uh, we have a couple other chef advisor investors that we're going to kind of bring to the forefront. And it's, it's going to be our prime focus of having these types of conversations and create dialogues with our chef partners to make sure that we are developing the tool in a way that is applicable to their day-to-day life, not from a perspective of James has been removed from the kitchen for a year and a half and Heath still believes he knows what he's doing because he doesn't mm-hmm. work in the kitchen anymore. <laughs> um, it's, it really needs to be rubber meets the road type development. Yeah. I mean, you're always in beta, right? I mean, you're always in beta and that's, that's, it's a tough thing. I'll say for me personally, I had to learn like with all the dev work that we do and things like that, it is that, you know, I'm used to in life start and stop. Like here we make this and mm-hmm. it's finished, but this, uh, <laughs> when it comes to software and anything development, you're always in beta. So yeah, it's um, constant right, why, yeah absolutely. So I, I got one last question. All right. Uh, if you had one final meal, what would you eat and where and why? Um, you know, I hate to bring it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, but um, I I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, well, early days in the kitchen with my father as he like spent time around his friends. Um, and one of the first things I can vividly remember not making, but help put together uh, was a venison carpaccio dish um, mm. with, with Ming Tsai. And it was like toasted sesame, hot sesame oil, sliced ven- venison tenderloin and like a bitter green salad. And being an 11 year old kid, I've never had anything like that or even close to raw <laughs> food. <laughs> um, and I, I, the, the idea is um, so visceral in my mind, I think from just the weekend leading up to it and being around my father and being around all these types of people, if I had to have one final bite in my life, it would be going back to that moment in time and, um, I think that was like the the light switch that flipped in my mind to say like, you know, food is what I want to do because I don't have to do social studies anymore <laughs> if I do it. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> so was your father also a hunter then? Yeah, uh, we hunted and fished all, all the way up growing up. Uh, mostly awesome. like upland fowl stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I, I, yeah, I, I share those passions big time. Um, <laughs> have, uh, what's your favorite game eat? Would it be that? Or is there uh, uh, venison, um, uh, birds? I mean- I love duck, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we have amazing duck producers out here. Uh, and then pheasant, because that, again, going back to the experience, like the first time I learned how to break down a full bird was um, with Jean-Louis Pallidon. And uh, <laughs> it was right a year or two before he passed away. But it was like just learning experience. And it's not going from like cleaned animal from a bag to the table, breaking it down. It was like, feathers and heads and wings and <laughs> mm-hmm. like end to end um, learning how to do it. It was a really cool experience. It's something that I really super value because it's applied everywhere, right? Ducks, pheasants, chickens, <laughs> geese, all kind of the same. That's awesome. I mean, like I, I can totally relate. I mean, I, I've done all that, but never, not nearly as sophisticated as you have. I can guarantee you that. But I mean, <laughs> the whole thing from, uh, you know, field to, to, to table and, uh, the, the, and I'll say this, the fun and the, uh, camaraderie that comes around with it, the stories, yeah. it's just, um, I mean, it's just something I, I crave. In fact, if you're anywhere near my cabin, uh, on any given weekend, there's bourbon being poured and elk burgers or, <laughs> uh, uh, backstraps being, being provided. I, I cook all the time up there for everybody and people just stop by. They see my lights on the not even invited people will stop in because they know I'll probably be making elk or, uh, you know, pouring a good wine or some bourbon. And, uh, it's, it's always a nice time. So well, <laughs> I totally we'll have respect to talk that. offline about that one. Then. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, I, listen, it, James, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate your time. Uh, anything else you'd like to leave us with? No, um, thank you. I appreciate this. Uh, love to stay in touch and uh, just appreciate giving us a platform to talk about what we're doing. And we're excited to keep on going forward with everybody.